All right, let's look at our scripture that is uh, found in John 8, 31 through 55. Excuse me, 59. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets, yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. The word of the Lord. Well, many of us are following what's going on in Ukraine as that, as that country continues to be invaded. Um, it's a, a scary thing to put yourself in those person's shoes. Uh, we hear jet noise all the time here in Virginia Beach, right? Imagine if those jets were not ours. 
Imagine if there was an invading force coming to take over our country, take our freedom. Well, we are very blessed that uh, that is not happening currently in the United States of America. And in the U.S., we treasure and we hold on to our freedom, don't we? That uh, part of the uh, Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain rights, those among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We love and we treasure freedom. And we are free from any invading powers. But the question I want to ask to you today is this. Are we truly free? You see, in this passage, Jesus says that we are not. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If we have to be set free, then that means that we are slaves who need to be set free from slavery. And that's exactly the reason why Jesus came. He came to set us free. The question is, from what? It would be horrible to be the slave of someone, but even worse would be to be a slave of someone and to not realize that you are one. This passage shows that we are slaves of three things, sin, Satan, and death. And these things enslave us. We have felt their presence and their power, whether we realize their name or not. We're in bondage to them. They're the cause of misery and the miseries of the world. But Jesus has come to liberate us from these three cruel tyrants. You can only be free when you're liberated from sin, Satan, and death. And so the question is, how do we become free? The answer is simply this. Jesus is the only master that can truly set us free. So we're going to look at these three tyrants, sin, and then Satan, and then death, and how Jesus Christ, belief and following in Jesus Christ can set us free from them. So let's begin with point number one, the, the uh, tyrant of sin. Jesus begins in verse 31 saying, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It says that Jesus said this to the Jews who had believed in him. Now, what does it mean, the Jews who had believed in him? It doesn't mean that they were uh, followers of Jesus Christ, but they had apparently had some sort of rudimentary understanding and belief about Jesus. They were maybe on the verge of following him. They were starting to follow him. And so Jesus turns to them and says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. It's an if-then statement, right? If you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. And he uses this word abide. This word could be translated remain. If you remain in my teaching, or if you live in my teaching, or if you continue on in my teaching. In other words, it's not just what you believed yesterday, but it's what you continue to do throughout your life. If you continue to follow me and believe in me, you shall know the truth. And what is it he's saying that they need to abide in and remain in? My word. If you abide in my word. What is Jesus' word? It's what he's said. It's what he's said about who he is. 
It's the commandments that he's given them to follow. It's the fact that he has said that he is the savior and that they must trust in him and believe and obey in him. And if one does that, then they are truly Jesus' disciples. It's uh, the same for us, isn't it? it? It doesn't matter what we did when we were seven years old walking up an aisle during a revival. The question, of course, is what are we today doing? Do we believe and obey and trust in Jesus Christ? Because if we do, the scripture here says, and you will know the truth. It's very interesting here. We come to know the truth, not simply by intellectual assessment, but by moral commitment. It's by following Jesus, making that decision to follow him, that we discover what the truth actually is. And what is this truth that we will know? That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We will come to know about him who he is, and we will actually come to know him relationally and personally. So Jesus says, if you abide in my teaching, you're truly my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, again, I ask the question, free from what? Jesus answers that in the next two verses. Verse 33, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham. And we've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? In other words, these Jewish people say, Our, uh, offsp we're offspring of Abraham. And because we are offspring of Abraham, we are already in a privileged position. We are sons of the king. We have God's blessing and approval. In other words, there's nothing wrong with us. We're not slaves of anyone. But Jesus says, no, no. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Practices sin. This word is a participle. It means everyone who keeps on doing sin. And more than just doing it every now and then, everyone who practices it. In other words, it's a habitual life of sin. Not only in one's actions, but in one's thoughts. Anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. In other words, your practice reveals who your master is. He's saying that you are a slave to sin if you practice sin. You must obey it. It's in your very nature. You can't help it. You have to obey it. I don't know if you know that uh, fable uh, of the scorpion and the frog. It's a great little vignette. There's a scorpion and a frog on one side of a river. And the scorpion wants to cross the river. But of course, the scorpion can't swim. So the scorpion says to the frog, Please take me across the river. Well, the frog says, I'm, I'm not going to do that. You're going to sting me and you're going to kill me. Why would I do that? And the scorpion says, of course, I'm not going to sting you because if I sting you, then you're going to drown and I'm going to be on your back and we're going to both drown. So I'm not going to sting you. So the frog says, okay. And the frog takes the scorpion on his back. And while they're about halfway across the river, the scorpion stings the frog. 
Now the frog begins to feel the poison, and as he's sinking and drowning, he says to the scorpion, why would you sting me? You're going to die. And he said, I can't help it. It's my nature. See, that's what Jesus is saying. That it's your nature. You're a slave to sin. And Jesus goes on to explain what happens to this slave to sin. Verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. In other words, if you're a slave to sin, if you're a scorpion, that this house he's talking about is God's house, God's kingdom. And that is a holy place. The slaves of sin will have no place in the house. They will not remain in the house forever because God is going to judge sin. And the wages of sin is death. But Jesus goes on to say, the son remains forever. He's talking about himself. That I am the one who is the rightful occupant of God's house. I'm not a slave of sin. And thus, I have the power and the ability to set you free from sin. Verse 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus has come into the world to set us free from sin, its penalty and its power. See, everyone who sins, not just practices sin, but does any sin, The scriptures say very clear, the one who sins is the one who will die. God is just. You know, there are bad things that happen in the world and evil that happens in the world and people do evil things and other people turn to God and say, there is no God because God is not just. And you know what? They're exactly right. If God does not judge evil, right? But the truth is God is going to judge evil. But the scary fact is he's going to judge every evil. See, we think God is just going to judge the mass murderers, right? But God is going to judge every wrong thought or motive, no matter how small. Indeed, the Bible says that we will have to give an account for every careless word that is spoken. And thus, no one is righteous before God. But Jesus has come to free us from the awful penalty that hangs over each one of our heads. But Jesus has come to set us free, not only from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin. See, what about our nature? What if Jesus was to take care of the penalty of sin, all the sins that we had committed before? That wouldn't change our nature, would it? We'd still be scorpions. The Bible says either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. Jesus has come into the world to change our fundamental nature. Therefore, says the scriptures, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Paul put it this way in Romans 7, 4. Likewise, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. What Jesus is saying is I've come so that you no longer have to be a slave to sin. 
to do what it tells you to do. But notice it's if the Son sets you free. It's His work. It's not ours. We can't change our nature. We can't change our past. But Jesus Christ can change both. So the question I have for you today is this. Are you a scorpion? Are you a slave to sin? You have to do what it tells you to do. Are you a puppet on a string? For if you are a slave of sin, you can't obey God. And you won't love others, but you'll live self-centered lives. You will be trapped in your nature, and like a scorpion, it will ultimately result in your own death. But Jesus has come to set you free. So recognize that I am a slave to sin. Recognize who Jesus is, that he can set me free. And trust and follow him. Turn your life over to him. Because Jesus is the only master that can truly set us free. And Jesus will free you from the penalty of sin. And he'll free you from the power of sin. You will be a new creation. With new desires. Not for sin, but for holiness. See, those who are in Christ no longer have to obey sin anymore. We don't have to be slave and captive to jealousy and bitterness and pornography and lust. But we can live lives of holiness and obedience. So give yourself to Jesus, not to sin because he came to set you free. Well, that's the first of the tyrants. I want to move on to the second one. Jesus came to set us free from the power of Satan. We can see that this audience here that Jesus is speaking to is not willing to abide in Jesus' teaching. They don't feel the need to be set free. They have a deeper problem, and that problem is of parentage. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 38. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. In other words, we have different fathers, and your father is directing your steps. They answered him, Abraham is our father. But Jesus said, if Abraham, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. Remember that Abraham was the father of faith. He trusted God. He obeyed God. Remember Isaac, when God told him to take his very son and sacrifice him, that, that Abraham went uh, in faith, believing that God would raise Isaac from the dead. He was faithful and obedient to God. Jesus is saying, if you were children of Abraham, you would behave like Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth. In other words, you're not only rejecting God's teaching, you're seeking to kill the very Son of God. You are doing the works of your father. And they are said, we're not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. But the truth is they're revealing their nature by acting like their father. 
We all know the saying, right? Like father, like son. It's interesting sometimes when I talk to your children, you know, they, they talk like you, they walk like you, they have your mannerisms. Sometimes I'll pick up the phone and I'll be talking to the son and I think I'm talking to the father because they have the same voice. They're saying God is our father. But Jesus is saying, no, no. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. In other words, you have a spiritual parent, and that's Satan himself. And Satan is your motivating force. He's the one you follow. He's the one you obey. And in fact, your will is to do your father's desires, meaning you want to, like father, like son. Now, you may question Jesus' teaching. You look around at people and say, well, People are basically good, Carlos. Well, there's some people that you can tell they're just evil, right? But most people seem good. But you know, the truth is this, that you can do things that seem good and they be evil. Let me give you an example. Say you have a husband and a wife. And the husband has planned to take the wife out on a nice date Saturday afternoon. They're going out. They've talked about it. She's excited. He's excited. And then an opportunity comes up to play golf. Husband really wants to play golf. It's a nice course. But he's very nervous about having to break this date with his wife. And so he figures that before telling her, he's going to do some things. He's going to buy her some gifts. He's going to make some romantic gestures. And at first, she's very flattered by them. But when she discovers the true motivation behind them, she is repulsed. See, God looks at the heart and motivations. And what God is saying is you don't do good things because you love me. You do them for you. In other words, it's just for you. And that's just like Satan. Jesus gives a litmus test of how you know who you belong to. Verse 47, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. You may think, wow, Jesus, you're really being harsh in this passage. But all he's doing is telling the truth. See, Jesus is saying there are only two types of people in the world. Ones whose father is God and one whose father is Satan. And why Jesus has come is to set us free from being children of Satan and to make us children of God. To free us from slavery to that harsh and abusive parent that desires nothing but our death and our misery. You probably know the story of Bart Millard. Maybe you do, though you may not remember his name. Bart Millard is the lead singer of Mercy Me, which is a very popular Christian band. 
And his story was chronicled in the 2018 movie, I Can Only Imagine, with uh, Randy Quaid. Um, Bart grew up in Texas, and he had this awful father. Arthur Millard was his name. And Arthur Millard had a terrible temper. He was a hateful, a rage-filled uh, uh, man, and he was physically abusive to Bart. Three to four times a week, he would beat Bart Millard. And it didn't matter what would cause it. Somebody cut him off in traffic. The Cowboys lost. He would beat his son and fly into a rage. Bart called his father a monster. Well, Bart found refuge in faith. So he began to go to youth group at church. His father used to make fun of the church. He called it a cult. And as soon as he could get away from his dad, he went to live with his mom. But something happened to Arthur Millard. He heard the gospel and he became a Christian. Bart said, if you had asked me who's someone that God can't reach, I would have said my father 100 out of 100 times. But Arthur's life began to change. Bart refused to believe it at first. But he saw the evidence of a changed heart. And then his dad, Arthur, got cancer. Bart moved back in with him. This is what Bart said about his dad. So I'd find him praying. Every night I could hear him through the walls praying, and he would fall asleep with his face in the Bible every night. And I would have to go move it. And then he'd wake up, and we would start talking for hours on end. Their relationship totally changed as God did a work in Arthur Millard's life. Bart said, by the time he passed away, not only was he my best friend, he was the godliest man I ever knew. His heart completely changed, and I wanted my heart to be like his heart. If God can reach my dad, he can reach anyone. What happened to Arthur Millard? He got a new father, and he became like his heavenly father. For like father, like son. Jesus set Arthur Millard free and gave him a new father who loved him, and it made all the difference. So who's your father? We all have one. It's one or the other. It's God or it's Satan. If it's Satan, you'll never receive any love from him. All he wants is to give you pain. And you will act like him. And all your life will ultimately bear is misery and pain and death. But Jesus came to give us a new father who can free us from Satan. Jesus came to give us a new destiny with a kind father who loves and cares for us and who will give us a new identity. John 1.12 says, For all who believed in Christ, he gave the right to become children of God. So trust in Jesus Christ, and let him lead you to the Father. Tell God that you want him to be your Father. Surrender your life to Christ, and you will become a child to God, of God. And your life will change.
Because Jesus is the only master that can truly set us free. Jesus came to free us from one other uh, tyrant. And that tyrant is death. John 8.51, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Keeps my word, meaning believes in me and follows me. He will never see death. The Jews protested, wait a second. Abraham died. The prophets died. They were holy people. If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. How can you say that? Are you greater than our father Abraham? Who do you think you are? And Jesus in verse 56 said, Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day and he saw it. They said, you're not even 50 years old. Abraham lived 1,500 years ago. And you're saying that you saw Abraham? And Jesus said, I, tr I say to you before Abraham was, I am. I am, not I was. Jesus is giving the eternal name of God. The same name that God gave Moses at the burning bush. The Jesus is saying that I'm divine. And I'm eternal. And I'm omnipotent. Abraham and the prophets, they were only men, but I am God. And I have the authority to give life because I am life. See, what really is death anyways? We were designed to be immortal. But the Bible says that death is a consequence of sin. The soul who sins is the one who will die. So death is punishment. It's the death penalty. And we fear death and hide from it and distract ourselves from it. But it is a grim reality. But Jesus says, if anyone keeps my word, he will not see death. In other words, I can release you from death's penalty. I can release you from the punishment of death. Well, you may be saying to me, wait a second. Carlos, if that's true, why do Christians die? And the answer is they don't. What do you mean they don't? I've seen Christians die. Here's what I mean. There is never a time when a Christian is not conscious. Think about that. Somebody's in the hospital. They're dying. They're saying their last goodbyes. And the next instant, they're in heaven. Person's driving down the road who's a Christian. They're in a car wreck. They don't see it coming. The next instant, they're in heaven. Whoa, what happened? See, when a Christian dies, their soul is instantly in the presence of God. Fully conscious. Well, what about their body? The Bible says their body sleeps in death. Remember Jesus, when Lazarus died, what does Jesus say? He's not dead, he's asleep. What does it mean that he sleeps in death? See, death is where you, you don't come back, right? But the body will wake up from its sleep. At the final judgment, Jesus awakens your body, if you have died, transforms it, and reunites it to your soul. That's what Jesus is saying. See, what death really is, is separation from God. 
So if what Jesus is saying is true, this is also true. If anyone does not keep my word, he or she will see death. See, the unbeliever is not released from sin's penalty. Death begins when they die. There is never a time when an unbeliever is not conscious either. See, when they die, their soul is instantly in hell, separated from God. The Bible calls this the first death. And their bodies, like Christians, sleep in death and will rise to dishonor at judgment, and the soul and body will be reunited and sent to hell for eternity. Now, I don't want to scare anyone, but you need to know that heaven is a very real place, and hell is a very real place. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to fear death, because I am Lord over death. I have come to free you from death. So follow me. Do you fear death? You don't have to. Jesus has come to free us from slavery to sin, to Satan, and to death. For if anyone keeps my word, he will not see death. You were meant for heaven. You were meant for immortality and you were meant to be in the presence of Jesus Christ and the Father. If you are a follower of Christ, that's what you have to look forward to. For we are not getting older. We're getting closer. But you and I, we must decide. Jesus is a gracious Savior, and he leaves us with a choice. So choose your Father. Choose your Master. All other masters enslave and imprison us. Do you want today to be truly free? To have a new nature that doesn't have to sin? To have a new father who loves and cares for you? To have a new future? Not death, but life. Trust in and follow Jesus. Because Jesus is the only master we can have that will truly set us free. So follow him and do not fear. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you came to set us free from sin and Satan and death, to give us a new nature, a new father, a new destiny. God, I pray that each one of us would choose to obey and follow you, to trust that you have the ability to lead us out of death and into life. And we would walk in your ways because we have a new nature as you have transformed us. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.